Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God, and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com if you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast google Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Okay, that opening show far. Call to attention. Time to do the community part of the porch. This is where we offer praise reports and prayer requests. If you don't want to be a part of that, go to the second shofar, which takes us into the Bible study. But if you want to be a part of it, you can pray for the people that ask for prayer. You can remember the things that get mentioned. You can write us and we'll share them. Um, Even if you don't want me to make it public, I will bring it to the attention of uh, those that are part of the... um, prayer group that support me and do what I um, do here, and we would love to be able to pray for you. If you have a need, if we can help you, we will, but if not, we can at least pray for you. Praise reports, prayer requests. Of course, I praise the Lord for my salvation. Without that, oh boy, I don't have anything. I don't have my wife. I don't have my sons. I don't have daughter-in-laws. I don't have a grandson. I don't have any of the furry kids we've acquired and made a part of our family over the years. I don't have this home, this studio, nothing. I am nothing without my salvation. But because he saved me, he redeemed me, he set me free of my bondage and brought me into the family business I have more than I could have ever imagined. So I praise him for that. Praise him for all the things I just mentioned, my family, for all of you, for this ministry, for the Bible studies, for the dreams, the visions, um, the provision, everything he does for us in accordance with his love and his word. He is a God of his word. I praise him for his healing virtues, his divine health, the abiding divine favor that he offers us as his children. Praise him for the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the, the guidance and the Spirit walking with us. I am thankful to be a new creation and living in these prophetic times. And I hope you are too, and I hope you're paying attention. So let's pray. Psalm 122, verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for its leadership. I pray for America and our leadership or lack thereof. 
I pray that we would get right before God. Every nation that thumbs its nose at God, that does the things that we have begun to do and actually have done for a very long time, sooner or later we'll see his judgment. So I pray that the people in charge would wake up, cry out to him, be saved. America needs mercy. We need grace. We don't deserve it. Church doesn't deserve it, but we're asking for it. Pray for all the people out there that have put their trust in leaders and that trust was betrayed. Our only hope is the Lord. That's it. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the innocent, and those that are victims of injustice, the bound, the oppressed, all the people that we should care about, that the Word tells us to pray for, I offer that up every day. I do it here on the porch as a reminder to you, as an example to you. Pray against the slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. Every day, there's not a day that goes by, I don't repent on behalf of this nation and pray for those that have been slaughtered. Pray for missing and exploited children, plus the adults, those that are victims of human sex trafficking. Not a very popular topic. It's a very uncomfortable topic. I pray not only would they be found, not only would the people that do it be dealt with and given justice, but I pray for the healing and the deliverance of those that have been victimized. Pray against the growing religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the rise of the Antichrist spirit all over the world. Pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing as we, each and every one of us, listen and get back to our divine design. People are hurting. Part of it's our own fault. Part of it's the world we live in. And part of it's a part of the fall. But we can pray. We can ask for healing. We can follow his guidance in what our part of the equation is. So if you need healing in any sort, heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, I pray for you right now. That in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, he would meet you at your need. He would touch you in that area that you need his touch that he would guide you in your decision-making, that he would empower your prayers, and that he would send his healing virtues to you. I'm praying for protection. Now, I can tell you, I prayed at night before we go to bed. I also prayed in the morning, and I prayed throughout the day. Larry and I, when we pray pretty much daily, we pray for divine protection over us and our families, over all of you. Pray for inspiration. It's the spirit of oppression. It's very There's a heaviness in the air right now. It's very difficult to be inspired. Well, that's when you throw some wood on the fire. That's when you do whatever you need to do to break through, to wake up, for the remnant to wake up. You are the remnant. I do not speak to or for the church. But we have to stay awake. We have to stay inspired. We have to pray for the provision, for the 
open doors of his blessings to finish the job, to finish the race, to do everything that we need to do to destroy the work of the enemy, set the captives free, and be about our Father's business. And I pray for lost family members right now, whoever they are, say their name. Lord, we bring them before you, and we pray that you'd send someone, even an angel, to them. Remind them of of who you are. Introduce yourself to them. Lord, save them. Save them, please. I'm going to start out the prayer request. It's kind of a praise report, too. I've had a problem with a wisdom tooth and had great difficulty in finding an oral surgeon to take the tooth out. Um, Insurance isn't all it's cracked up to be. And so with great difficulty, I finally found somebody who brought me in for the consult this past Tuesday, which was yesterday, and asked me when I wanted to do have the tooth removed. And I said, as soon as possible. And she kind of lifted her eyebrows because the schedule has not been good. And anybody I called, and she looked at me and said, well, how about Thursday morning at 10 a.m.? And then she said, ask and you shall receive. And I just smiled and I said, that's an answer to prayer. Let's do it. So tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., I will be having an upper wisdom tooth right underneath the sinus cavity taken out. So I'd ask for your prayers for that. Asking for prayers for Larry. Right now he's in Virginia Beach. He's there for a memorial for the founder of SEAL Team 6, Richard Marcinko, his commander in um, 6 and Red Cell. He flew up there. He's going to speak. He's also going to ride uh, with a bunch of mo- motorcycle group veterans to honor Marcinko. So I'm praying for um, safe safety, good weather, and safe travels home on Friday. The only other one that I have right now is from Kim in Fort Mitchell. She says, I'm doing okay, getting a little tired of tornado warnings, but other than that, I'm good. Well, Kim, praise the Lord that you're getting warnings um, before and not after the fact. I feel grateful for my salvation and my recovery. I want to thank him for his unconditional love for me, for forgiving me when I fall short. Father, thank you for protecting my family, for guiding each individual one of us. I am asking for prayers for my son Maurice, he's going through a lot right now, but you know what his heart needs, Father. Guide him and protect him. Kim says uh, Maurice's car broke down and he's trying to get it towed and fixed as she was sending me that message. Please favor him and protect him. I'm praying for the Porch families, as always, and for strength and endurance as times are getting darker and darker. Help me to be a light and to show me how to love people. Praying for my mother's and my husband's soul. And lastly, Father, show me how to do this job and shine your light at the same time. Protect the innocent in Jesus' name. So, Father, we've come to you in the name of your Son. We boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. You are Abba Father, Papa God. You are Daddy. And you love us and we love you. So we, first of all, thank you for that love. We thank you for redeeming us. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for hearing and answering our prayers and even knowing before we say them. Say them. We thank you, Yeshua, for saving us, for dying for us, for 
rising to sit at the right hand of the Father and sending back the Holy Spirit, who we desperately need right now to guide us in everything that we say and do. So, Holy Spirit, have your way. Protect the technology. Bless us. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Get us ready to not only hear, but to believe and receive the word. And if you agree with me, in Yeshua's name, say amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So tonight we're going to build on what we've talked about for the last two weeks. I've shared this one scripture, and I want to say it again, Philippians 1, 6. I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Messiah Yeshua, the time of his return. If he began the work, he will finish it in time for his return. Trust him. Do whatever the Spirit leads you to do within that process because you are a work in progress. Till we get our redeemed bodies, we are incomplete, but we are in the process of being totally redeemed. Remember last week we talked about body, soul, and spirit. The body we walk in is still unredeemed. Yes, he blesses us with healing. Yes, he offers us grace and favor, but the fact is, What we have is what we have. Your soul is you, and your spirit should be his. And so when we sin, and that's what we talked about for two weeks, which is anything contrary to God's will and God's word, if we sin, it takes roots, and if it takes roots, something else takes control, and it goes from natural to supernatural. That's what we don't want. Now, of course, if that happens, there's help. But if you are at the place, were at the place, or you know somebody at the place of Romans 7, for I do not understand my own actions. I'm baffled and bewildered by them. We've all been there. Do not practice what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate, yielding to my human nature my worldliness, my sinful capacity. But if I habitually do what I do not want to do, if I, it's no longer I who do it. It's this disobedient thing in me, which I despise, the sin nature which lives in me. For the good that I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil thing I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, it's no longer the I'm no longer the one doing it, but the sin nature which lives in me. In 33 plus years of ministry, I have 
counseled and ministered to people that were in this place of Romans seven fifteen through 20. That there were bondages, there were things in their life they could not stop because they'd let it go on too long. But our nature, our human nature is iniquity, inbred sin, until we're born again. So as I said, body, soul, and spirit, you either have his spirit or the spirit of the world. And there's always a war going on between them. And the enemy creates situations that allow them access to you. Romans 8, starting verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who live according to the Spirit, which is us, set their mind minds, plural, on the things of the Spirit, which is his will and purpose. Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. And this is what we're going to talk about tonight, walking with God, walking in the kingdom life. It's one thing to tell you about sin. It's one thing to tell you about the battle we're going through and all the things that are happening, some of us more so than others. But if I don't offer you the solution, if I don't tell you how to overcome it, what's the point? Galatians 6, 8 says, For the one who sows to his flesh, which we've already established is the sinful capacity, worldliness, disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And remember, Paul's speaking to the church. So even people in the church who sow to their flesh will reap that harvest. We see it all the time, people that overeat, people that smoke, people that drink, people that do the things they should not do, they reap the harvest they plant. But sin is the weapon that the enemy uses to destroy God's children. Again, sin is anything contrary to God's will and God's word. And when we transgress his will and transgress his word, it means we're doing something that for our betterment he has forbidden us to do or failing to do what he requires that we do. If you remember last week, we talked about Genesis 4 and and Cain after he killed Abel and before he killed Abel, and he was unhappy that God didn't accept his offering. And in Genesis 4, 7, the Lord God says, if you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door to strike. It will entice you, but you must rule over it. King James personalizes it as a he and a him, which we know is the personification of sin, Hasatan, the adversary. And like a lion, it's ready to crouch. It's ready to pounce. It's ready to bite you as you step out the door. But we are more than conquerors. Because if the spirit of him who raised Yeshua from the dead lives in you, 
He who raised Messiah Yeshua from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Now, wait a second. Let me see here. Within verse 11, both times, it says the Spirit does what? Lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, not to our flesh, our human nature, our worldliness, our sinful capacity, to live according, to not live according to the impulses of the flesh. If you are born again, and his spirit is inside of you, you should be walking the kingdom life. Stop thinking externally. I was talking about this yesterday with someone. Stop thinking, oh, the Spirit's going to show up, or the Lord's going to show up. Stop thinking externally. You are the church. You are his temple. He is in you. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men still in this world until he comes back, we're not, we're not carrying out our warfare, our spiritual warfare, according to the flesh and using weapons made by men. We're in a spiritual war. I don't understand why the church can't grasp that. All you have to do is look at where we're going as a nation, the laws that are being passed, the depravity that that's happening in our world of, of a, a bill in Tennessee put forth by a Republican. So don't think that politicians are the answer. I'm sorry. Just don't. I'm not sorry. Just don't. This Republican put forth a law in Tennessee to repeal the age limit on getting married, which right now is 17, which means If somebody wants to marry a child or a little girl or a little boy, they'll be able to. What kind of world we live in? I'll tell you, we live in a fallen world where Hasatan's in control and the fallen are in positions of power. Well, the laws that are out there right now that you can kill a baby up through nine months and even seven days after it's born. Are you paying attention? The fallen in the pit, the ones who got put in in Genesis 6, they're coming out soon. They're the kings of the earth, and they want their kingdoms put back the way they were. They want the world to be the way it was when they left. And it's going to be depraved. It's going to be ugly. And I do not believe the church will be here. Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Now, some people think, well, we need to get better people elected or we need to buy certain companies. No, we need to war in the spirit first. We need to get this part down, the the part we were told to do. But what's the solution to everything I've said? How do we live this life? By walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, which we've already established are the things of sin. Walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, 
Seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. And to walk in the Spirit, you must seek first the kingdom of God. You can't do it any other way. You shouldn't be seeking the church. We are the church. shouldn't be seeking a denomination. shouldn't be seeking a building. shouldn't be seeking a pastor, preacher, teacher, a televangelist, evangelist, whoever. You should be seeking him, and you should be seeking first the kingdom of God. In the Sermon on the Mount, when he was talking to the masses, talking about their needs and their he says, do not worry. This is uh, Matthew 6, picking up with verse 31, if you're still doing the whole verses thing. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all, all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Not just any kingdom, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which is upright moral behavior before him, which gets us back to the sin concept. You see how this all ties together? This concept of sin is so much more important than I believe the church has dealt with. First and most importantly, you should seek to aim at and strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, which is his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. All the needs, all the desires, all those other things that you're fixated upon, that the enemy gets you to look at, to desire, turning a want into a need. But there's a catch to this. Isn't there always? And here's the catch. For you to walk in the kingdom of God, for you to do what I'm telling you. This is what the Lord says in Matthew 18. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven, which is another phrase for the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Red letters. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, that is, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, and live changed lives, and become like children, trusting, humble, and forgiving, You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I think most people struggle with this part. Because to become like a little child, you need to undo the programming that you grew up with. You need to undo the bad teaching that you've gotten sitting in pews or chairs somewhere. You have to receive the kingdom of God with faith and humility like a child. And if you don't do that, you don't enter it in at all. You'll never enter it. 
little children, when they get up in the morning, until shown otherwise, expect that they're going to be fed, they're going to be loved, they're going to be taken care of. Now, of course, life experience can take that away from them, but from the baby in a crib cries, expecting to be heard and either picked up or fed. We have to think like that when it comes to him. We can't judge him based upon any of our earthly experiences with our parents or with other people. And if you're doing that, then you need to pray for God to deliver you from that bondage, from those wounds, so that you can walk like a child, trust like a child, walking the kingdom life. It's with faith and trust and the actions of a child that we exist in the kingdom. The enemy has made it so much more difficult. And he has used religion. He's used men. He's used the rituals and the rules and the do's and the don'ts of tradition to muddy the waters. Thankfully, I I got set free of that. Thankfully, I did not get totally bound up in church, in religion, and I could have been. When we were in Tallahassee from 90, well, we were there from until 95, but from 90 to 93, I was at Christian Heritage full-time. As I've said, I was Shelley's shadow, and, and I was doing work there. I was actually working there, not getting paid for it. For a period of time, I was a temporary youth pastor. And Deb and I ministered to the youth, and we did all that. And the point came where the job came open, and I wanted the job that I was already doing. And I didn't get it. They brought in somebody from the outside that truly wasn't qualified, messed it up, and left and left everything we had done in a mess. And I was very upset with Shelley about that. Finally, before I left Tallahassee, we went out to lunch, and I told him that. told him I was hurt. I was disappointed. And he looked at me and said, I was going to give you the job. He said, I was fully ready to put you on staff and put you on payroll. And he said, and the Lord screamed at me, don't you dare ruin him. He's mine. And years later, I realized that had I gone on staff at the church, had I taken the job, I'd have been stuck in that place at that moment in my spiritual walk and would have never grown through the home church and everything we did after that. And God had such a plan that was so important, he wasn't going to let anything mess it up. So thankfully, I'm not in bondage to the church. I'm not in bondage to religion. My thought life and my prayer life is totally immersed in the kingdom as his child. One of the things about doing that and living that is being able to pray, being able to speak to the Father, being able to speak to the Lord. You know, for many weeks last year, I think it was, or the year before, we spent a lot of time on the Lord's Prayer. I want to circle back to that. 
A, it's Red Letter Basics, and I try to make everything I share with you come from that. If not from that, it'll definitely come from the work. But how we pray, the intention of our heart, he says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Abba, Father, your name is holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no lack in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. There's no failure in heaven. There's none of the things that we have here. So we want his will to be done in our life just as it's done up there. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the manna from heaven like you gave the children of Israel in the wilderness. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now they call this the model prayer. And in the context of what we're talking about tonight, it's because it keeps us in a kingdom father-child mindset. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how wealthy you are, how famous you are. When you pray this prayer, you're just a child. Have a father. Papa God, Daddy. If we can keep that mindset, if we can keep that in our heart, we won't pray with improper motives. We won't need repetitions. We won't need canned prayers because our mind and our heart will be in the kingdom and what comes out of our mind and our heart will be kingdom-based. But if you haven't figured it out, we can't live this life naturally. No man-made programs can help you to achieve it. You can go to seminars, you can go here, you can go there, you can follow all these eight steps, seven steps, 14 steps, stick your leg in, stick your leg out, shake your leg, turn it about. You can do all those things, but it's not going to do anything for you because it comes from a father-child, inside-out relationship. The only thing that's going to help you to achieve it is by and through the Holy Spirit doing it with you. So what is the kingdom of God? 
Romans 14, 7 says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not external. It's not your behavior. It's not traditions. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Are we getting the pattern here? That to do any of these things, it takes the Holy Spirit. Living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, that's what that's talking about. The kingdom of God is not a matter of getting what you like in food or drink. It's, it's, it's the state that makes you acceptable to God. That's what righteousness is. And peace in your heart and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. So if we're going to live in the kingdom of God by walking in the Spirit with childlike faith, we must have the fruit of the Spirit. I was thinking about this today. A tree is known by its fruit. That's what the Lord said. So if I go up to an apple tree, see some nice, big, red, juicy apples, and then I look at the sign at the bottom and says, orange tree, we, we have a problem. Either the tree's been mislabeled, but the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what it says it is, I know it by its fruit. So somebody can say they're a devout Christian or a devout believer, and then the fruit that they produce has nothing to do with that, then I know we have a problem. That's our indicator. But to live the kingdom life, we must walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, starting verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, Paul says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which we know is sin. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they can't get in. They're not living in the kingdom. They're living in the world. But The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Messiahs have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, Let us also walk in the Spirit. If you've ever had those moments where you were walking completely in the Spirit, the enemy had no access to you, your human nature wasn't evident, the things that you did before you don't 
do again. It's a tremendous feeling. And it's very difficult because the enemy's doing everything he can to distract you out of that, to get you to trip and fall and come into his kingdom. But that phrase that Paul gives us, walking in the Spirit, it indicates action. It indicates effort. It indicates intention and movement. You got to do something with it. You can't just say, oh, I want this. No, you need to do something. Your action, your action, your effort, intention, and movement in the Spirit to walk according to His will, to, to live the fruit of the Spirit, that's your part of the equation. The Holy Spirit helps you to do that. He wants to help you to do that. But to produce fruit takes time, takes watering, takes sunshine, S-O-N shine. But the fruit of the Spirit is the result of His presence within us. And what is that? It's love. Unselfish concern for others. You know, you can live out the greatest commandment of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. You can live that out. But if you don't do the second one, love your neighbors yourself, you felt. Joy, which is inner peace. Joy and inner peace, I'm sorry. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It comes from our relationship with Him. Our inner peace comes from relationship with Him. Patience which is not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the war that we're in. That's what the enemy's trying to stop. And every little sin, doesn't matter what it is, is corrupting, and it's polluting our lives, saved or lost. And so what Paul does in Galatians 5, by contrasting, comparing the works of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit, he gives you guidelines to know whether you're walking in the Spirit or being controlled by your flesh. Why is that so difficult? And that that term uncleanness means sexual impurity. The term lewdness means sexual excess. Well, it's interesting that Paul harps on that. But we know that those things defile the body, which is the temple of God. No wonder the world and the devil are promoting it nonstop to get people to defile the temple, to destroy their relationship with God, to walk in uncleanness, lewdness, to do all those things we see listed as works of the flesh. See, works of the flesh is something you do. Fruit of the Spirit is something he produces. And the only ground, the only place that the fruit of the Spirit can grow 
is in the kingdom of God. Doesn't grow in the world. Doesn't grow in natural situations. The King James Study Bible says the word fruit is significant for three reasons. It means the result, product, outcome, or effect produced by the Spirit in the believer's life. Unlike the gifts of the Spirit, plural, only some of which are given to a believer. I might disagree with that. You can have them all if given to you. Each believer is to have all nine virtues that compose the fruit of the Spirit. As fruit on a tree takes time to grow and to mature, so does the fruit does not cultivate these virtues in a believer's life overnight. Love is the willing, sacrificial giving of oneself for the benefit of another without thought of return. Joy is gladness of heart. Peace is tranquility of mind, freeing one from worry and fear. Long-suffering is patience with others, the opposite of a short temper, a disposition quietly bearing injury. Gentleness is kindness, goodness is generosity, and faith mentioned here is dependability. Last week I said the battle's in your mind, the battle's inside of you. And if the enemy can do anything to get you off balance, he will. Because he knows once he has you off balance, he can strike. He can get to you. That's self-control. That seems to be one of the biggest problems I've seen in the life of a believer. Is the ability to harness and control one's passions and lust, which causes us to sin. So if we have self-control, we take away the power and the influence of the enemy in our life. But there's a warning in Galatians, and it happens in chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is, you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. That spirit of gentleness, somebody who is being restored, more than likely has suffered some very severe and sensitive wounds caused by their choices or the choices of others. And they must be handled delicately. I know this to be true because I've seen it not done right. And the enemy will inspire somebody in ministry to do it wrong to create further hurt in that individual. That Greek word for restore is used in the secular Greek for setting broken bones. Well, you don't do that roughly, do you? You do that gently because it's painful. Somebody who has sinned, somebody who has tripped up, somebody who the enemy has played doesn't need your judgment and your condemnation. They need you to gently and lovingly help bring them back to restoration. 
And more often than not, I've seen somebody get into those positions of ministry or restoration and get morally dragged down into the same sins of the other person. Usually if they're involved in a sexual nature, that's usually how the enemy trips people up. So we're always on guard. We're not to be paranoid. But we have to be on guard. But if we're walking in the Spirit and we're living the kingdom life, we're safe. But we live in a world, a fallen world, it's not our home, filled with temptation of every kind. Want this, buy that. Desire this. What you have is not good enough. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Temptation is the translation of a Greek word which means enticement to evil or testing in general, including various kinds of trials. If we understood the word in a broad sense, the further understanding is that while God permits testing for the purpose of strengthening faith and character, Satan entices to evil for the purpose of destruction. In any situation, there's always a moment of decision. There's always a moment of turning back or a moment of going forward. There's always that split second where somebody decides either to do it or not do it, to listen or step away. When we had the home church, and I'd be home during the day and Deb would be at school, we had a group of, started out with 12, got to be about 20, and eventually got bigger. And I had a rule. First of all, you don't show up at the house unannounced. Second of all, I didn't counsel or minister to women without either my wife or another woman present. So one day, there were two women in the group that were problems both of which I eventually suggested they find someplace else to worship. But one day one of them showed up and they wanted to talk to me. I said, no. My wife's not here and I have nobody else that can sit with us and I'm not going to give the devil any ground. So you're going to have to come back later or we can't do this. And they got very upset and they got very indignant But I held to that ground because give no appearance of evil. Do not put yourself in a position where the enemy gets a free shot at you. And that's just one example. But the thing is, if we're going to live the kingdom life, people are going to fall. People are going to get hurt. They're going to hurt others. And we should be bearing one another's burdens. Excuse me. We, as believers, are to intercede for one another when stumbling happens. There should be unity. There should be support. And eventually, there's going to be tough love. 
but it's all done for the restoration and the correction of the individual. But the kingdom of God is one of support and edification, not condemnation and destruction. And we strengthen one another with the fruit of the Spirit. Boy, this all ties together. This Bible, this word is so brilliantly inspired by the Lord through the Holy Spirit into the the minds of the people that wrote it, that it all ties together no matter who they were, when it was written, where it was written. The fruit of the Spirit, it nourishes us. It feeds our inner man or woman so that we can walk in the Spirit. We have the energy. We have the strength for the movement, the acts, and the intention while living in a fallen world that is not our home. It gives us the strength to be in this world but not of this world. We're in a battle with an enemy that wants to destroy us. And we can either stand, follow the guidelines, and live in victory, or we can let the enemy do what he's doing and destroy us. I, for one, am not for letting the enemy do what he does. But you have to decide. There's a Supposedly, Einstein said it. Nobody's been able to confirm it or refute it. That if you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome, it's the definition of insanity. So if your life has been a series of stumbling from one thing to another, from one error to another, and you wind up with the same outcome, if you keep doing those things, you're going to get the same outcome. That just makes sense to me. I don't know how people don't see that. If a change is needed, make the change. So we've talked about conquered. You're either conquering sin or you're conquered by sin. Now we're talking how do we do that. We walk in the Spirit. We live the kingdom life. Action, reaction, the movement of the Spirit. Father, Father, I just come to you in the name of your Son on behalf of your children that are listening. We're living in a time of darkness, deep darkness, perversions, debauchery. Evil is called good, good is called evil. We need your help to not just walk but to be victorious in this world, to be lights in the darkness, to be able to go help and rescue our brothers and sisters and lead the captives home, set the captives free, plunder the goods of the enemy. Holy Spirit, strengthen us right now in our inner man or woman. I'm asking for you to blow through us. Encourage us, strengthen us. Show us areas of openings to the enemy that could cause problems so that we can close them and seal them. Keep us from walking outside the protective hedge and getting bitten. 
but we want to be functional. We want to be useful. We don't just want to be personally victorious. We want to be victorious in the kingdom to glorify you, to live this out. Please, Holy Spirit, touch us right now. Open our minds, open our hearts, open up all the areas that we have kept shut to you. And if there's anything hidden in there that's not of you, very gently sweep it out, blow it out like a a fresh wind. Blow that dirt and that dust and that hidden thing out. We love you. We trust you. We need you. We want to walk in the kingdom. We want to walk in the spirit. We want to walk in victory. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. You know, these are up there for free. You can download them. You can listen to them again. You can go through parts and make notes. This this is not a game. This isn't a, a you you know fast food. You go in, grab a bite, and you're good. No, no, no. That's not. I spend time on this, not because I'm looking for accolades, because I am offering you the ability, like Shelley offered me, to feast, to be nourished, to be strengthened, so that I could live the life He wanted me to live. That's what the Lord's doing for you. No more excuses. You have none. He's given you everything that you need. I posted this um, on social media. When you realize the Lord is all you have, that's when you realize he was all you needed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.